How do I make sure that I mobilize, I energize, I motivate, I engage the people below me? And at the same time, how do I make sure I provide value to the company and to the people above me? Welcome to Reaching Your Goals. My name is Hannah Herbst and I'm a Certified Leadership and Career Coach and a Management Consultant with an MBA from NYU Stern School of Business. Reaching Your Goals is a career-focused podcast where I sit down with inspiring individuals to find out what it takes to reach your goals. We will talk about anything from knowing yourself and leading with purpose to growing your self-confidence or becoming more productive whatever it takes to get one step closer to living a fulfilled professional life. My mission is simple, to inspire you to reach your goals, lead with kindness and have some fun along the way. I'm joined by Evan Sivinakis today. Evan is an award-winning accredited executive coach, a learning and development specialist, a management consultant, and an online visiting lecturer at the EU Business School in Switzerland. In his work as a coach, Evan focuses on leadership development and helps his clients navigate their careers in the middle management. Evan has already lived all over the world and is currently based out of Athens in Greece. In our conversation today, we will focus on the so-called sandwich manager position in an ever-changing workplace. What are the challenges the mid-level managers face? What does it take to advance in this role? Welcome, Evan. It's great to have you here with me today. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. Uh, nice to see you and thank you for the invitation. It's my pleasure. And to get to know you a little bit better, I prepared a few rapid-fire questions. Short questions, short answers. You ready? Sure, go ahead. <laughs> I know that you lived around the world. Where do you feel truly at home? It's a very good question. I feel truly at home. It's quite interesting because you are based in Switzerland, Switzerland and Greece. What do those two places have in common for you? They don't have anything in common but I have in common with them, right? Yeah. So, yes, um, uh, obviously Greece is where I grew up and Switzerland is the first country I have visited and lived once I finished my high school and I went to study. Got it. So uh, I lost my travel virginity with Switzerland. <laughs> <laughs> I saw on your LinkedIn profile the quote, leadership is not about the first to reach the top, but about empowering others to climb their own mountains. Which mountain do you want to climb? I want to climb the mountain of helping others, really. It is really my motivation, you know, to help others succeed at work which also means succeed in their life. Because what I think we all realize that leadership and management is not about you, you, you. It's about others. And if I could share a story with you, I got my first managerial job when I was in, when I was in London in the UK. And I was 25 years old, coming straight out of uni. I joined a company and after six months, I kind of got promoted. Um, And then I had the opportunity to manage people and some people were older than me. But after, I think, five months, I lost almost 70% of all my team members. 
Hey. They kind of resigned. Um, and now reflecting back is because I was coming across as it's all about me, it's all about me, it's all about me. <laughs> me, 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 me. <laughs> yes. And I was very like on your face, you know, I was 25, a little bit arrogant and all that. And I think over the last couple of years with COVID, with lockdowns, with, re, you know, the reevaluation of people's values, I realize, and I think a lot of leaders realize, that if you want to climb your own mountain, you need to help others climb their mountain first. Yes, there's no I and we. Because if you're actually helping them climb their own mountain, you are getting practice on how to climb mountains, so you will find easier to climb your own mountain. And let's continue with the questions, because we will deep yeah. dive in, in a little bit. How would your clients describe you in one word? Demanding. Oh, You make them work? Yes, because I do believe that uh, leadership, if you want to improve, is not about information, it's about transformation. If you want information, you don't need me. You can go on YouTube. What is the last text message that you sent? Do you still send text messages? Yeah, or WhatsApp message or <laughs> any kind of yes, message. I, <laughs> the, the, the last one was um, is not work-related. Is for a personal reason and it's for somebody who is coming to you, it's for a potential tenant because we do a little bit of property as well. And what is your favorite social media platform? LinkedIn. What do you like about LinkedIn? I like that it's professional and I resonate with the content, which is about work, life, improving your career, how the world of work is changing. It's not Instagram, it's not TikTok, you know, and I'm not really interested in all of these. So like the fact that lately it became a little bit more fun, people can share personal stories and all that. So I like it quite a lot. And um, I'm learning from others as well. Who is one of your role models? This is a very good question. And, you know, I don't really have one of those kind of role models, you know, from, uh, you know, uh, writers, authors and all that. My role model was a previous manager that I had, and he is the epitome of leading from the front. So it's not like a, it's not like a role model, but it's somebody that I always think of, you know, when I'm about to make a decision, I say, what would he do? And he's the kind of manager who is always setting the standards for people to follow. Like, so... You know, he's really the kind of person that he's always prepared to roll his sleeves up and lead by the front and show how others are done. And it's somebody who in his business, he has a tremendous talent of emotional intelligence. He understands how to reach people. And on the commercial side, he knows how to create momentum within the company. What do you need to be at your best? A good night's sleep and a cup of coffee. Did you already have your coffee this morning? I already had two, and I, I'm the kind of person that I need my seven hours of sleep. If I'm not, I'm cranky, I'm moody, and, you know, I might wake up sometimes four or five o'clock, but I need to sleep by nine, for example. If you could have any dish right now, what would it be, and where would you be? You know, I, it would be in St. Moritz. I would have cheese fondue on a Friday afternoon. <laughs> And a nice glass of uh, white wine. Nice. What is the best advice you've been offered in your personal or professional life? No, it was an advice and I kind of inherited it and I use it. It's like have zero expectations on others. 
Sometimes we have too many expectations, right? From the job interview, from the potential partner, from our family members, from our kids, from our friends. And we create those expectations in our mind. And sometimes the reality of what's happening is totally different. So um, this is what I got, I remember it. And so have zero expectations and control the things you can control. What is the most important quality in a leader? Sharing the vision. Tell me more. For example, this is where we are. This is where we are going to go. And this is how you will benefit when we get there. Last question for the rapid fire. What is one thing we cannot Google about you? My, my work location, because I am in different places. <laughs> so where are you right now? You mentioned Greece, but when you put, where does Evan live? Sometimes you see me here, sometimes you see me there. It sounds like a fun, fun life, and I'm ready to learn more about you. Could you tell me about the key milestones that led you to where you are today? Yes, I first graduated in Switzerland. At, uh, my first study was at Glion Institute of Higher Education in Montreux. And then I worked a year there, and then I went to the UK, I did my master's. And then once I graduated, I started to work. And then after six months, I got promoted. And I was with that company for seven years, 10 months, almost eight years. I, um, I was the branch managing director for a big company in the UK. And I was managing around 75 people. I was around 25, 26 years old. So that was my first career milestone. Then I moved to Europe where I worked for a financial services company. I was there for another five years. Um, in that Uh, company, I was responsible, I was managing the sales leadership of over 300 personnel across six regional offices. At the end, I was based out of Sydney and um, I, I did a lot of sales leadership coaching to the managers of, of, the, of, of the people with a focus on improving representative performance and utilizing modern approaches to expand sales. So I was the regional director for in that company for five years. And then since 2017, I, um, uh, I work with leaders and I help leaders become better in what they do and, le and lead with a little more ease. And I'm also um, teaching part-time at the university, at the EU Business School. So those kind of are the four, three, four milestones Uh, in my professional career. And moving across countries, I know it's tough from, I know from my experience. When you did that, what did you learn about yourself? It's a very good question. This, you learn how to be adaptable and you understand that at the end of the day, it's you that is going to create your own happiness and your own career, irrespective of where you are in the world. Actually, countries don't have many changes, I realize. There are not so many changes. Really, like, okay, you have weather changes, you have culture, but it's more or less the same. You know, people are kind of the same. It's like, so what I've learned is don't, you don't, you create your own environment of success. I hear freedom, yeah. You are creating your own chances. You are creating the environment to succeed. You are creating your own happiness. What I also like about that story is so empowering because it's all about Go for it. Try something. I mean, there's a lot of courage in your story, like when you were really going from one place to another. And I feel like that's also encouraging for other people to try. 
Yeah, because I think exactly, exactly. Because I think, you know, some people are like, I'm not happy in my country. I don't like the politics. Because at the end of the day, a country nowadays is like a company. You don't like it, you can change. I mean, we have the luxury living in the Western countries where we have the freedom to, to move around. I mean, unless you try to go to North Korea, pretty much <laughs> exactly. everything, else is open. <laughs> everything else is open. And, and, and really, a country is like a company. If you don't like it, please move. It's not going to be easy. I mean, for the first couple of years, you have to adapt, learn, you know, learn some languages and so on. So I mean, some people are here, you know, oh, it's my country's fault, my politicians, the government. You know, at the end of the day, it's not. It's what you make out of it. And especially with the changes that are happening right now in the world, um, you know, adaptability, you know, as Charles Darwin said, is not the, smart, the smartest or the strongest of the pieces that will survive, but the one who is most adaptable to change. If you have the thinking of this is how we always done it, I think it's game over. It's a mindset thing. And you said in your story that in, since 2017, you've been working with leaders. What made you go into coaching? How many times do people bring home frustrations from work? A lot, right? Yes. A lot. How many, a lot. How many times have we snapped to our partners, parents, siblings, kids because we're frustrated with John in the office or Maria didn't send us the report or somebody at work is backstabbing us and you bring frustrations at work. So we spend eight to 10 hours at work every day. So work becomes part of our identity. So that's led me to work with leaders because I thought there is a better way. So that is then your niche, like the people that are frustrated and are really fed up and take all the worries and anger and frustration home. So that is, say, the niche where you really help them to develop and grow. Yes, I would say, kind of from managers and up and successful, kind of successful people, successful leaders, managers, um, business owners, but they want to go to the next step because, you know, I don't want to sell coaching or anything, but if you think you know everything, if you think you don't need anyone, again, it's the wrong mindset. And, the, and you'll be surprised, I think you know that the people actually who have coaches, the people who keep learning things are successful, if you notice. So I'm totally with you. And I think the coaching allows people to really look in the mirror, get to know themselves at a deeper level, know their purpose. And that, to me, is the foundation of anything and everything. Yes, even if you look at politicians or, or professional people, or, you know, like Tony Robbins, he has a coach. Like, I was surprised and he coached like Serena Williams and some actors and some business people and said, do they need a coach? They make a billion a year. But I think it's a mindset thing. It's always, you know, um, looking for ways to improve, looking for ways to learn and having really a learner's mindset. And one thing to add, what I also find is that everybody has doubts. It's not there's not one single person on this planet that has zero doubts and those need to be managed. And successful people, they get help. And maybe that's the reason why they are actually successful in the first place. 
Exactly. And it's a mindset thing. Life is a little bit like, and, and work is a little bit like the riding a bicycle. Once you stop pedaling, at some point you're going to end up falling down. It's really about adaptability and, and being humble. And who have thought, you know, three, four years ago, um, a leader or a manager, when you ask him a question, they would never say, I don't know. But now we do. So if you're a leader, if you're a manager, you get a question and you don't know the answer, there is nothing wrong to say. It's a great question. I don't know, but I promise I will come back to you. I will find out and I will get back to you. There is no problem in showing vulnerability. I know you work also a lot with people who are working in the middle management, who then are, say, who have to interact with their superiors, a leading team. So they are the so-called sandwich managers. What are the biggest challenges they actually face? The biggest challenge they face is, I suppose, how to balance their relationships with their subordinates as well as with their direct report, which they are in the middle. How do I make sure that I mobilize, I energize, I motivate, I engage the people below me? And at the same time, how do I make sure I provide value to the company and to the people above me? Is it a challenge because they need to find the time to serve both groups? Or what is really behind the challenge? It depends on the organization. It's pressure sometimes to deliver and time as well. And sometimes it's lack of ability to delegate. Or do you delegate? What do you delegate? Some managers, middle managers, when they have tasks, they don't know how to prioritize and they have the task hanging there. But you need to decide. Do I do it? Do I delegate it or do I delete it? You said there are specific challenges that sandwich managers are faced. So they have two different stakeholders, like one up and one team to manage. And what are other challenges they face? They face pressure. They face time management. They also have their daily tasks. You know, don't forget that these kind of managers, they are not only managing subordination, reporting to the people above them. Sometimes they also have their other tasks to do. And what I've also seen now over the past one, two years, companies, they want to have fewer hierarchies. One manager is having more reportees, which then also changes the interaction between that person and the reportees, how much time you can invest in one person. I'm getting the feeling that is also like a huge, huge, huge challenge for individuals. Yes, because some, some of those managers, don't forget, they are humans, they have family sometimes. And they also they are also ambitious. They don't want to be there. Sometimes they want to, you know, grow up in the career. So this is what you know. Uh, I think is important. How do you manage your manager? That's a, you know. And when people say when when I say to people, hey, you know, you can manage your manager. I don't mean go and tell your manager what to do. But <laughs> if you're listening to this, maybe you are a middle manager. Is there a few things that you can do? For example, you should know what is your manager's. Um, KPI, how are they measured and see if, if you can help them. Another thing to do is, do you really know what is your manager's preferred way of communication? Is your manager an introvert or an extrovert? Because you see sometimes what happens is we don't, we don't know enough our manager. And, but the relationship, let's say, you have with your manager is very important to leave it only to him. So if you're a middle manager, don't only wait for your manager to come and tell you, let's have a talk, let's have a meeting, let's have a performance appraisal. 
kind of manage that relationship because your career is too important to leave it on luck, to leave it, to leave it always on somebody else. So, you know, what you can do every couple of weeks depends on your manager's method of communication. Could be email, could be a call, it could be having a coffee in the office and talking. Every couple of weeks, you should go to your manager and let's say, hey, Hannah, how, how do you think, what, how do you think, how did I do for the last couple of weeks? Can you give me some feedback? It doesn't have to be that formal feedback. It could have be, you know, just a cup of coffee or something. I like those two points. It's like find out what your manager's KPIs are and how they like to communicate. And what I find sometimes a little bit funny is that this is just a proactive question. You're like, hey, manager, how do you want me to communicate with you? And what is actually really important to you? It's like very simple questions. And I have that also in the coachings that if I propose, why don't you ask? People are very surprised that that is an actual option. Do you have that as well, that reaction? You have it, exactly. And it's a little bit like you have to coach your manager. But the point here is your career is too important. You are in the middle. You have pressure from both sides. Do, you need to be proactive. And I guess proactive is a key word here to reach out to your manager and ask for feedback, ask for advice, um, have open lines of communication, share your challenges. Do not just wait for the, I don't know, quarter or, or year appraisal to find out what you're doing wrong. So I guess the key word here is being proactive and communicate as much as you can with your manager. And I want to throw in one additional one is setting expectations. Because I think it's so important to know yes. what am I supposed to deliver, when, and really being clear on that on both sides. So <laughs> that we're talking the same expectations because that is a basis for being successful for managing up. I think you, you, Hannah, you hit a nail on the head. And this kind of expectations, you know, you go around companies and you ask people, probably you, if you ask 10 employees, what are your expectations? Probably six of them will tell you, I don't know. For different reasons. They are carried away day-to-day -day tasks. They are too busy. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's a good thing to do. You go to your manager and say, you know, what do you expect from me? And it's a question, really, that you should ask from the interview. When you are applying for a new role, you know, what are the expectations? How will success in this role be measured? That's why if you look, if you're looking, if we go deep, And we look at organizational structure and organizational development and employee turnover. It's, a, it's, it's kind of a science. It goes so deep and it can go even to how we phrase the job descriptions that we put online to attract right people. Yeah, they always say, that depending on the wording, you might only have male applicant because the females don't think this speaks to them. Yeah, you need to be a good copywriter. Yes. Sometimes I argue with human resources in some companies because they're just recruiters. But, uh, and I know a lot of human resources which are not human and I don't have the resources. So, I don't <laughs> so it's a science thing. Now, that was the part, say, managing up. But what are the challenges managing growing and ever-growing teams, especially in a hybrid world where some people I might not have ever met personally? First of all, I guess you need to understand that when it comes to your subordinates, number one, again, is the expectations. Don't expect that everyone is there because they are career-motivated, and they are not. Oh, they are not? They are not. 
<laughs> they just want to make the money to pay the bills. <laughs> Absolutely. Some people, they are there because the office or the factory is near their house. It's convenient for them to travel. Some people are there because the salary is okay and they can't be bothered to change. Some people are there because they can't find something else. Some people are there because they feel comfortable. And some people are there because they like the receptionist. You'll be surprised it can happen. Some people are there because they are career motivated. So what I think you should do as a manager when it comes to your subordinates, you need to know know your people and how do you do that? You sit down and you have conversations with them. But then you need to pick up your winners, like your 20%. 20%, it's like the 80-20 rule, the Pareto applies here. So 20% of your people will be there because they are career motivated. So you need to be able to pick your winners, work with them, develop them, The others will just evolve. You know, some of them will leave, some of them will stay. But pick your winners, work with them, build relationships, engage them, develop them. Because that's the essence of leadership. A good leader is somebody who produces a leader, who then that leader produces another leader. We might have situations where I don't know the people on my team on a real personal, personal level because I've never met them in person. I did the recruiting process online and now they're in a different location. And with all the hybrid work models, I might not meet them. How do I find out who are my winners? If you cannot meet them face to face, you can have conversations like this we're having now online. And use video. And when you have those conversations, turn your video on. You know, be open. And, and I feel one thing that is important here is that people or managers, they make an active effort to set up those calls. Yes. So that you also talk personal topics. Yes, like on a Friday afternoon at four o'clock, five o'clock, um, 10, 15 minutes with each of your, let's say, new staff members or maybe with each employee. And if you are working from home, there is nothing wrong for them to see your background. There is nothing wrong if you're cat or dog or kid. So what do you think about my background? <laughs> Your background is okay, I suppose. <laughs> oui. do, you have ki do you have kids? One son. Because I see a small horse there behind you. Yes. <laughs> so that's, that's the thing number one you should do. Um, do a video conversation, you know, be yourself. At the end of the day, be yourself. What was the other question? How to pick your winners? Exactly. And how to pick your winners in this remote setup or in this hybrid work where you might not have the daily interaction where you really see how somebody is motivated and engaged. Hey, look, it comes with experience. You can see your winners. Sometimes you can see the winners, how they sit. When you have a conversation, how they are sitting on the chair, they are like ready, excited to meet you or a bit stressed. Uh, it means they pay attention or something. So it comes a little bit with experience. Um, it, it's kind of, you can sense it, you know, it's like, I don't know, it's like you can sense it from the way they talk, their body language. And, and then the other thing is to do is you ask them different questions. If you're not good in reading, you know, you can ask them questions. So you have to, you have to prepare your questions in advance. So for example, you ask them questions. Hey, Hannah, how are you? How was your week? Please tell me what is the thing. Let's do a role play. Hannah, it's Friday. 
blah, blah, blah. Let's have a casual conversation. How are you with a cup of coffee and all that? Cheers. So tell me, Hannah, how, you know, <laughs> something like that. How was your week? And you can ask more specific because if you ask the question, how was your week? The person will say, yeah, it was good. So tell me, Hannah, what is the thing that you enjoy the most this week? And then Hannah will say, and then Hannah will say, blah, blah, blah. Now, Hannah, tell me also, what is the thing you enjoy the least this week? And now I'm supposed to answer? <laughs> no, you're not supposed to answer. If they say something out of work, you need to bring them back. I said, no, no, I'm talking about work. What is the thing you enjoy the least? And if they say, oh, I enjoy the least for this project, then you ask why. You ask open-ended questions. Why, what, how, where, when. And let, the, you know, because open questions, let the other person open up and talk. You don't want to be asking questions yes and no. And then you can ask, you can follow up a question. So what do you propose we do next time you have this situation? Hannah, what do you propose? And then, so you're, you're having these kind of conversations and you're coaching your employees and sometimes you're there to be a sounding board and you let them open up and you, you ask them, how do you think, um, how do you see the company? What is the one thing you like? What is the thing what you, 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 you like the least there? And another thing, how to pick your winners is to ask them, how do you see yourself developing in the company? Where do you see yourself two years down the line? Well, most of the times, the way they reply, it will give you more clues from what do they actually say. So you should be able to read in between the lines. I think this is coming um, through here as well. If you ask people this kind of questions, they usually tell you and give you an honest answer. The thing is, most people don't ask. Yes. They don't ask because they're afraid of the answer. <laughs> you know, sometimes what I used to do with my staff, when I had a lot, when I had somebody started, after a month or two or a week or so, or two weeks, they will, not all of them, but sometimes they will change their LinkedIn uh, profile and they will put the company, right? They will put the yes. new title and the new name. Because I want to preempt the negative. I want to preempt what is going to happen. Ah, you just change the title and everything. Expect a lot of recruiters and other companies now to approach you. Because it's happening all the time, right? Isn't it happening on LinkedIn? It's happening every day. <laughs> I am retaining my winner because if it happens, if a recruiter or a, ma a manager from another company try to pitch them to go for an interview, the, the employee will think, ah, my manager told me this is going to happen. I play reverse psychology. And one thing that was also crossing my mind with the asking questions, like when you do that, you need to really take time for that. Because what I also see or what I don't want to happen is that somebody feels like, okay, now I need to ask three open questions and I do this bam, 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 and then we can talk business again. I feel there needs to be this mindset shift to really take the time and be curious about the other person. Because if that, if the questions are not honest, the other side will feel okay, my manager is going through a checklist and that's it. It needs to be like a conversation, just like an online coffee chat. It's not easy for every manager, especially, you know, when, you come, when it comes to IT teams and engineering teams, you know, I don't want to, say, I don't want to generalize, but sometimes... Come on, do it. Engineers. <laughs> yeah, engineers think different. They engineers, IT people think numbers. They think very, very logical. Sometimes they don't, like, they, they don't like to communicate with their team members as well. as that. That's why um, if you are an engineer, if you are a, an IT person and you want to develop your career, uh, I don't want to hide from you that you might be the best coder, you might be the best engineer, but you, you need people's skills. What makes a good manager? A combination of uh, 
practical knowledge. I actually do believe that nowadays the managers should have knowledge, know-how of what the people are doing. So he should ideally should have come through that career because why? That know-how gives you emotional intelligence of what your people are going through here when they're doing the job because you went, you were in their shoes. And if you know how they feel, you know how to control and manage and lead. So I do think knowledge, practical knowledge is important. That's a good manager. Another one is the ability to listen with your heart and with your head and to really be able to read in between the lines and to really understand what is going through your employee's heart. And the third thing is to know your people why, why they do what they do. For example, why did you join the company three, three months ago? Or, you know, like what motivated you and Is what you were saying before that some people, they have the job because it's convenient. Others are really interested and there are different reasons. Even if somebody is not career focused, it doesn't make them a bad worker. No, it doesn't. You know, you can have two kinds of people. Some leaders come to me and say, how do I engage my team? I said, first of all, you don't engage them. You don't engage them. You engage them one by one individually. And number two, you could have an engaged employee that is not productive and Flip side, you could have a productive employee that is not engaged. What do I mean by engaged? You could have an employee who is really engaged, likes to work with you, loves the company, loves the industry, but there is something stopping him. He cannot produce. So this person needs practical training. When I hear the word engaged, I see somebody who's going to the company event and really identifies with the company and likes it. But that doesn't, as you say, doesn't say anything about the, doing the actual job. So you need to be able to identify this person as a manager. And on the other side, you could have one of those employees that they are very productive, you know, always on time, structure, they do the job, but you can never get a word out of them. They are not engaged. You know what I mean? These kind of people that are very professional, but deep inside you, you don't really trust them 100%. They do the job. They're very professional, always on time, but tomorrow they resign. And it's like, whoa, what happened, man? You're like perfect. Because maybe you fail to engage them. Maybe you fail to find out what is going on. Maybe something is going on in their professional life and they don't want to let their guard down. Or maybe that's how they are. So you just need to let them go. But you, you really need to know your people. And, 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 the, the, and especially now where we are looking at hybrid work and remote work, it's the time for managers and leaders to learn new skills and actually go back to basics, how it was like 30, 40, 50 years ago, where, you know, management, the management philosophies and theories were not so advanced, but You know, people really put their heart in some jobs. You know, they work their whole life in the same company and they love it and all that. Management and leadership, it is not a cookie-cutter approach. It's not, you cannot develop leaders like this. It is not a cookie-cutter approach. You really need to be able to wear different hats and uh, know your people. And you said there are new skills. Maybe last questions looking at hybrid work. What is the most important new skill that managers in the middle need to have? On a strategic level, I want to talk a little bit about the strategic level here, the ability 
to share to share the vision of your company and then communicate that vision and tell the and then explain to the people pitch to your people how their life or their career will improve once we get there or alongside the journey why because i do believe hana that people need hope i hear inspiration yes people people over the last couple of years have lost hope have lost inspiration so i think this is the most important um uh skill that as a leader you need to have nowadays and you know it's not easy because you may tell me listen evan it is a very you know unpredictable business environment out there we live in a vuca world i understand that but even if your vision is for the next six months only or a year or three months make that your vision say this is where we are this is where we're gonna go just like martin luther king i have a dream what is your dream tell us more about it And this is also going back to what you said in the rapid fire questions for the most important quality in a leader. So this is really really important to you. I like it. Yes, because I do think vision will help you also as a leader to attract the right people for your company. The 20% needs to see a vision. And they need to see a vision because the 20% can get a job anywhere probably with a better pay, but why are they going to stay with you? This is interesting. Super super interesting. Few questions left. What is coming next for you? probably another cup of coffee <laughs> when i'm writing my book i'm finalizing my book mm-hmm. what is the title the hybrid leader when will this come out in the next few weeks probably another month you might have to come back eventually to talk about it i would love to i'm really excited to publish the book it's going to be around 20 chapters of practical practical tips really from my experience i've also interviewed some other people on what we learned and what worked what doesn't work and hopefully it can help Uh, leaders, managers, CEOs, business owners, anyone really who is, you know, working with people to improve first of all their professional skills as well as the um, um uh, their personal skills. Perfect. So really hands-on. Yeah, I mean, uh, 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 yeah, I like to be practical and to share practical things. This is what happened, this is what you do. Real practical day-to-day things that every manager faces. Yeah yeah and I have a feeling people need that there is more questioning on what makes a good leader things are changing so fast so I feel like this is perfect I will send you a copy since ah. you are you invite me I'll send you a copy once it's published And then um who else should I have on the show I've actually one of my friends right now actually in the UK he just published his book mm. and he's calling it it's something with leadership but it's more on personal leadership self leadership he's a manager in a company So he really likes this kind of subjects as we all do. He will be happy to to come as a guest and share his experience. Wonderful. And very last question. People who want to work with you, follow you. Where can they find you? Well, they can find me online on LinkedIn, Evan Zivanakis, and they can also drop me an email at evan@executivecoachasia.com. Perfect. I will add the information to the show notes and with that I'd like to thank you for your time. This was a fun fun conversation. Thank you for the invitation. The owner was my package. I really enjoyed my conversation with Evan. It was insightful and it was also entertaining. I liked it. So, what's important when you're the manager in the middle? Communicate well, set expectations and be proactive. Ask the questions because your career is too important not to ask. 
And if you need help, you can reach out to Evan, you can reach out to me. We are here to support you. And if you enjoy the content of this show, please hit the subscribe button wherever you listen to your podcast. This way, you will get the next episode in your inbox when it drops on Tuesday. With that, we are one step closer to reaching your goals. Talk to you guys next time. Bye.